This is Messages from the Middle. I'm Wendy Parrish. This is episode number 10. Do you know who you are? On this episode, I talk about masking, something that most people do, some people all the time, and some people just in certain situations where we put on a mask to present a different version of ourselves other than our true and authentic version of ourselves. And for some people that are constantly living in a mask, they may have gotten to the point where they don't even know who they really are. So we'll talk a little bit about how to get there. I'm excited to share this information with you. So let's get started. Have you noticed that people don't usually share their struggles until they're over? It's not until they've defeated their dragon and marched victoriously home that they share their story. Well, I'm not one of those people. My name is Wendy Parrish, and I am in the middle of my story. From the middle, I've learned a few things, and I would like to bring you into my story. This is the good, the struggle, the light, the dark, and the lessons learned. This is Messages from the Middle. Hi. This is Messages from the Middle. This is episode number 10. I'm really excited to have gotten 10 episodes in. I've been listening to podcasts for a very long time, and some of the ones that I've listened to a ton are like on episode 600, episode 400, and I look forward to the day when I'm there, but I'm excited to be at number 10. I've dreamed of starting a podcast for so long, and... I'm just excited that it's going and I'm doing it and I'm loving communicating with people and connecting with people that I haven't talked to in a really long time who have reached out to me since I put this out and just people that are relating to my story and are sharing their stories with me. It, it really means a lot. So thank you so much. Today's episode is called, Do You Know Who You Are? And it's a subject that's been on my mind a lot, something that I've dealt with a lot in my life. I think a lot of people, and especially people with ADHD or different forms of neurodivergence, are pretty skilled in the art of masking. And in certain situations, there's really nothing wrong with it. We all do it. We all do it on a first date. We all do it at a job interview. We all do it just, you know, really first impressions. There's a level of masking that we do to put our best version of us forward or a version of us that we think people want. But over time, the mask will come off and we become more our true authentic self. But people with uh, neurodivergence are going to be more inclined to keep that mask on all the time. In fact, they'll even do something called mirroring where they take on the traits of the person that they're with and just mirror that because they think that's what they want to see or they don't necessarily know how to be and so they just take on the traits of the other person that they're in the room with that they're conversing with they just become a completely different version of themselves when they're around other people and it's actually exhausting you'll hear people talk about their social battery being drained, and that's one of the reasons why. Mirroring other people or putting on a mask all the time 
it takes a lot more energy than just being your true authentic self. So my first question to you is, do you know who you are? I recently put a post on social media that simply said, being yourself is so much easier. And then I put the caption, or is it? As someone who's mastered masking, learning to be myself was actually not that easy. I didn't even know who I was. I was really surprised by the responses that I received, but I shouldn't have been. Masking is so common and we all wear masks for different and some similar reasons. The comments were about how masking is so much easier sometimes to fit in and feel a sense of belonging. Hiding our true selves sometimes is just easier. And then there was this DM that I could really relate to. Sadly, very few people have seen or experienced the 100% true me because I'm always trying to people please such that it really hurts only me in the end. But for some reason, I've been convinced that this is a burden I must carry so as not to ruffle anyone's feathers. Only what really happens is I'm all alone in the end. I need to learn to unmask myself. Unmasking ourselves is not as easy as it sounds. It's not like you're a Scooby-Doo villain and Fred just walks over and pulls the mask off and ta-da, you're the authentic and real you. The truth is many people don't know who they really are. They've been masking since such a young age and they don't really even know why they've been doing it. When we mask, we agree with people we don't agree with or form opinions based on what we think other people want us to believe dress and look a certain way because it's what we think people expect from us, and say yes to things we know we don't have time or the capacity to do. If you don't know exactly what masking is, I'll tell you. Masking is when people feel the need to hide their feelings, ideas, and personality traits in order to fit in certain situations. In many cases, a set of learned behaviors goes on to compromise a person's masking habits. This can occur for many reasons, bullying or abuse at a young age. If you feel alone and isolated, you change your personality to fit in. In many cases, if there's a person with a strong personality in your life, you may alter your personality to conform to that person's personality because it's just easier. Masking is very common in neurodivergent people and people suffering from mental illness, as I mentioned at the beginning. In the cases of neurodivergence, things like autism and ADHD, a person will mask to fit into social norms or to just feel like they're keeping up. I put on the mask of perfectionism at a very young age. I wanted to appear as smart and normal, air quotes, as the other kids. If I looked perfect and didn't let anyone see what a hot mess I was, then I would fit in. Perfectionism is not what I always thought that it was. I thought a person who was a perfectionist was perfect. Their room, desk, house, and car were all perfectly organized and clean. They got perfect grades. They had the perfect job, perfect family, and perfect life. They did all things perfectly. I vehemently denied that I was a perfectionist because I was kind of a mess. Then I learned that perfectionism is actually hiding all of your imperfections. You don't take risks so as not to fail. 
You only show the world a curated version of your life. All of this is a mask so that the outside world won't know that you aren't perfect. This type of masking is very common, again, for someone on the autism spectrum or with ADHD and someone dealing with depression or another mental illness. You'll conceal your flaws, for lack of a better word, so that no one will know. Perfectionism is one type of mask, but there's many other ways that people mask. So here are a few. The victim mask. People who wear the victim mask don't want to accept blame or responsibility for anything that they may have done wrong. If you're wearing the victim mask, you blame external factors for things that go wrong in your life. Everything's going against you. If that person hadn't done this, I would have been successful. Life is just happening to you. Nothing is your fault. It's always someone else or something else that causes your problems. There's the bully mask. A person who was or is bullied or abused will wear this mask as a way to feel in control and keep others at a distance. This is the, if I hurt them first, they can't hurt me mask. The humor mask. If you laugh at yourself first, then they can't laugh at you. This is the class clown who uses humor to deflect and gain acceptance. My therapists have called me out on this many times. I feel it necessary to make a joke out of everything, even things that are really painful to deflect or act like things aren't as painful as they actually are. The stoic mask. This is when people bottle up and show very little emotions. You pretend to be calm and collected, but you don't actually feel that way on the inside. This can result in an inability to feel and process emotions properly and oftentimes leads to some sort of emotional explosion or breakdown. Self-deprecation. If I talk down and tear myself down first, no one can beat me to it. You make jokes and bring attention to your weaknesses, showing that you know all the things that are wrong with you so no one can point them out to you. If you already hate yourself, then no one can make it worse. The avoidant mask. If you're wearing the avoidant mask, you withdraw into yourself because you fear rejection, abandonment, or judgment. You avoid being in contact with others and distance yourself from loved ones, all in the hopes that you won't be rejected, hurt, or judged. The control freak. This is a variation on perfectionism. You want to control everything near you so you feel more in charge and less insecure. You'll take charge of situations so that you feel like you are more in control and nothing leaves you feeling vulnerable. And if you can't control a situation, you just stay away from it. People-pleasing. I think I see this one the most. People that wear this mask do so because their self-esteem depends on the validation and love of others. You go places you don't want to go do things you don't want to do, and say yes to things you know full well you do not have time to do. This mask leads to burnout, resentment, and loss of your authentic self. And then there's the social mask. You wear this mask so that you can talk to others in social situations. You may easily be able to communicate with others, however, this mask robs you of your ability to keep meaningful conversations and relationships with others. You communicate, but it's not authentic and it's not you. 
All of these masks create a loss of your true self. They lead to chronic stress, anxiety, social burnout, and depression. It can be very demoralizing to feel that you can never be your true self or that you don't even know who your true self is. If you're always wearing a mask, over time you'll build up resentment and create social isolation. It seems kind of crazy that something we do to feel like we belong with people will actually put a wall between you and the people you are trying to belong with. This happens for a few reasons. One being that it gets very exhausting to be perfect or funny or in control and so on all the time. I also believe that people have a built-in BS sensor. They know when a person's not being authentic. Think about it. Who are your very best friends? Like your ride or die besties. You know the real them, warts and all, and you love them, not in spite of their flaws, but because of their flaws. And those people love you for the very same reasons. These are the people that you can take your mask off around. For sure you have people in your life who live in a mask and you love them anyway. But there will always be that wall that keeps the relationship from being as close as it could. The people you feel a real, true connection with are the ones that you know without a mask and they are the people you don't need to wear a mask around. People want the real you and you want people to be the real them. All of Brene Brown's research on vulnerability proves this. Vulnerability is strength. Vulnerability is the key to connection and living and loving with our whole hearts. So now you may be saying, just like I did, yeah, Wendy, this all sounds great, but I don't even know who my true self is. Or if people knew who I really am, they wouldn't love me. I'm going to go with the last one first. This just isn't true. I can say that what people really want is the real you and anyone who doesn't isn't your people. You are not for everyone. You are not meant to have 100% of the people love you. If 100% of the people love you, you are giving a lot of yourself away. I like to believe that maybe this one falls into the 50-50 category. Maybe it's even less and that's okay. But 50% of people just aren't gonna like you and that's okay because the 50% of people that you are for are gonna love the real you. Now let's get into finding out who you really are without the mask. I remember asking this to one of my therapists through tears and he told me to start with a simple question like the ones you would answer on a getting to know you questionnaire that they give you in school or whenever you start go somewhere new I don't know you know those questionnaires getting to know you but this time I want you to answer these questions only for you I know from personal experience that I would answer those questionnaires based on what I thought people wanted to hear or the version of myself that I wanted to present out there. So if you're answering these questions only for you, you don't have to say that your favorite band is Radiohead when actually it's Nickelback. No, no judgment if Nickelback is your favorite band. Like, that's totally fine. 
So ask yourself questions like, what is your favorite song? And that's the first question my therapist asked me. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite place? What's your favorite memory? What's your favorite outfit? If you could wear one pair of shoes for the rest of your life, what would they be? That's kind of a crazy question, but I think I could actually answer that. Once you've answered these questions, go a little deeper and ask questions. Why? Why is this your favorite song? Does it connect to a memory? Do you like the lyrics, the melody, the beat? What is it about that song that makes you love it so much? Why is that your favorite color? What is it about that color that makes you go, yes, I love that one? I was so sure that I didn't know who I was. But as soon as my therapist asked me, what's your favorite song? It came right out. There was no thinking. And that song is A Case of You by Joni Mitchell. Not only is this a great song, but I have a very deep connection to this song. First, I love Joni Mitchell's music. Her music was an important part in a formative part of my life. And I have some strong connections to the song. I had a friend in college named Rebecca Schofield. She was my person when I was going through one of the hardest times of my life. One time when I was having a particularly sad boy trouble day, she played the song for me and she said the lyric, go to him, stay with him if you can, but be prepared to bleed, reminded her of my situation and it helped. Life and love are hard, but it's worth it. Then there's my favorite verse. I remember that time you told me you said, love is touching souls. Surely you touched mine because part of you pours out of me in these lines from time to time. I mean, come on. As a writer, and I wrote a lot of poetry at that time, this verse spoke the truth. When I think about personality masking, I think of the movie The Runaway Bride. It's like a late 90s movie, I believe. Might have even come out in 1999. If you haven't seen it, I'll sum it up quickly. Julia Roberts had run off from seven different weddings. After investigating Richard Gere, a reporter, finds that she becomes exactly like the person that she's marrying, right down to the way they like their eggs. In the end, she needed to discover who she really was, how she liked her eggs, to finally be able to be in a real relationship with someone and know who she really wanted to be with. I've been known to say, I need to figure out how I like my eggs, or you need to figure out how you like your eggs, to mean you need to learn who you really are. This may require time alone and deep reflection. Keep in mind, when we figure out who we really are and love that person, we can then love the people in our lives better than we ever could with the mask on. Finding yourself does not mean cutting yourself off from everyone you know and love. If there are toxic people in your life that are keeping you down and unable to love the true you, thank them, but let them go. But the people who really love the true, authentic you, keep them close, let them in, and love them with your whole heart. Another way of discovering who you really are is to evaluate your values. I'm going to put a link to a personal core values PDF in the description of this episode. It has 
somewhere I would say between like 50 and 100 different personal values. In a group exercise as a way to get to know the real us, we were given this list, then asked to go through them all and put a check next to any of the values that seemed important to us. Then go through those values and put a second check mark down the ones that feel more important. And just keep going through those values until you get it down to about 10 to 12. Knowing that you value family, compassion, recreation, work, or creativity, for example, can tell you a lot about yourself. It's also helpful to then write those values down and take a look at where you are as far as living into those values. When I did this exercise, I was very surprised to find that even though I valued these 10 things on my list, I wasn't doing a very good job at living into those values. And shockingly, not so shockingly, that leads to a lot of disappointment and sadness and depression. So just evaluating what is really important to you and finding out where you stand on those and then setting some goals on how you can do better helps elevate your mood and helps you live into your true authentic self. It's kind of cool. So for example, if family is one of those 10 to 12 values for you, and then you realize that you haven't really been putting a lot of effort and love into your family, that may be a reason for discontent in your life. You can also take one of the many personality tests on the internet as a way to get to know a little bit more about who you are. And there are so many. I'm just gonna list a few that I found just on a quick Google search. And some that I've actually taken, for example, the Enneagram, there's the Myers-Briggs, Typefinder, the DISC, the Clifton Strengths Test, Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies, and of course, you can be sorted into your Hogwarts house. The cool thing is, with each of these tests, then there's many resources and people that can help you understand what these results mean. I know that there's people who coach from the Enneagram, they're Enneagram coaches. There's entire textbooks on the Enneagram and people who really live into that. I have a friend who's a coach and one of the things that she does is help you understand the Clifton Strengths Test. And even better than that, if the people in your life, your family have taken the same test, she can help you understand why there might be miscommunications because one of your strengths is one of their weaknesses, and so learning how to communicate that way. I also didn't mention the five love languages, which I actually think can be very helpful in understanding the way that you give and receive love, and if that's not the same language that your person speaks, you might need to learn how to do that. So all of these personality tests are a great tool. I don't think it's now this is your personality, this is who you are, go be it. I also want to say that all personality traits are strengths. One person's personality is not more valuable than another person's personality, despite what the world may tell you. And I'm going to use the golden trio, Harry, Ron, and Hermione from Harry Potter to illustrate my point. I'm going to start with Ron. 
my British ginger friend. Ron is known for his loyalty, bravery, and sense of humor. He's a loyal friend to Harry and Hermione and is always willing to stand up for them, even when it means putting himself in danger. And he provides comic relief in some of the more tense moments of the series. Harry is courageous and determined. He is the main protagonist of the series and determined to be, defeat Lord Voldemort and bring peace to the wizarding world. He's a natural leader and takes charge in difficult situations. Hermione is known for her intelligence, resourcefulness, and compassion. She's extremely intelligent and always able to provide valuable information and insight. She's incredibly resourceful, often coming up with creative solutions to the problem. Additionally, she's a strong advocate for social justice. Remember, spew and she's always willing to stand up for what's right. All three of these characters were needed to defeat Voldemort and to take on the many challenges in the seven book series. One of them could not have done it alone. Harry could not have done it alone. He needed his people. It's how you use your strengths and your personality that matter. After all, it's our choices that show who we truly are far more than our abilities. Albus Dumbledore. Someone who values empathy can make a great teacher, doctor, therapist, or pretty much anything they want to be. But empathy overused can create a lot of pain. A person who has strong organizational skills can create peace and calm in their life and even have a great TV series on Netflix. But if they only focus on organization, they can find themselves very frustrated with the world we live in. That's a lot of chaos. Every strength overdone can become a weakness. This is just another reason to learn who you are and how you can best live into who you are so that you can boost up your weaknesses and be aware of your strengths and not overuse them. Another thing that's important to know in your quest to learn who you are is who you are not. You are not your accomplishments your failures, your thoughts, your children, your children's failures or accomplishments, your house, your clothes, your parents, your possessions, your body. Basically, if it can be taken away from you, it's not you. You are your heart, your soul, and your spirit. You are your true, authentic self. And it's worth getting to know who you are because the world needs who you are meant to be. So in closing, I just want to wrap up by saying, remember to always be who you are. Unless you can be Batman, then always be Batman. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you so much for staying with me for 10 episodes. It really means a lot to me. And I want you to remember that you matter no matter who you are or where you are in your story. Once again, I want to ask you to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts and also to help me spread the message about mental health and so we can have a more open conversation about mental health and how it's affecting our world. If you could take a screenshot of this podcast when you're listening to it and post it into your social media, you can tag me at Child Songbird or you can leave a direct link to the episode. That would really help me 
get the information out there. If you want to talk to me, you can drop me a message in social media, um, drop me a DM at Child Songbird, or you can send me an email, wendy at messagesfromthemiddle.com. Also, I have in the bio on my Instagram a link to my calendar. If you want to work with me, do a little coaching, learn about processing emotions or any of these things, I'm offering for a period of time some free coaching. So you can find that calendar and book a session with me and please don't be shy. I want to work with you. I want to get to know you. That's why I'm here. Thank you so much and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me in the middle of my story. My theme music is White Linen by Asher Child. He's my kid. You can find all of his amazing music on all streaming platforms. And you know, it just wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't ask you to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. But seriously, it would really mean so much to me if you did. Thank you so much and see you next time. When I'm walking.